Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to my new video. We are witnessing the end of the dollar. It's happening right before our very eyes, and I'm going to be showing you some proof, and I'm going to be showing you some facts and figures, and it could be happening very time soon. In fact, could even happen this year. I'm going to show you why, and I'm also going to be talking about the digital dollar as well. And uh, if you guys can help support the channel, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And if you can kind of join me in Patreon or uh, Locals, I'd be really appreciated. It's becoming harder and harder for me to make these videos. Anyway, without further ado, uh, let's carry on with the show. So you can see the end of the dollar happening before our very eyes. And before I, I show you some facts and figures, it looks like there is a major, major reset happening. Um, the U.S. is drowning in its own debt, and right now the debt is uh, 31.65 trillion, and it looks like 100 billion is being added to this figure every week. So we could be seeing 32 trillion by the end of the month. So you've got the debt problem, uh, but the major problem is there is a de-dollarization happening all over the world. And it looks like the US or the globalists are preparing for something big. It's called a major reset. And this it could involve um, using the digital dollar. So what is the digital dollar? So basically the digital dollar is not really covered much in the Western media. You can see from this article, uh, Fox News' Tucker Carlson um, covered it once, but it's not really covered much in the British media, in the other, you know, United States media. Um, you have really have to search for it. But this is major news, you know, this is major, major news. And, and most of the countries are not even kind of looking at this as anything major. I think it's massive, massive. The problem with digital um, dollar is you lose your privacy. So imagine this, the government controls the digital dollar. So the government controls what they give to you and they can control what they take out. Simple as that. So if you are kind of um activist or if you uh, if you talk on YouTube you make videos on YouTube and the government doesn't agree with what you say they can easily sanction you block you um from gaining access to your funds um if you're a country where, which they don't like they can easily sanction you as well so this is really really dangerous if you're a criminal um, you, you, they can block all of your money. Um, if you're somebody who gets state benefits, um, they can give you uh, digital dollars uh, every week, and they can monitor what you spend. Like for example, you're only allowed to spend uh, on food and things like that. You're not allowed to go out and spend on anything else. So they'll monitor what you spend and where you can't. They'll also have an expiry date for this money as well. So you've got to spend it within a certain date. If you don't, um, the money will disappear. Basically, the government will take it. And the reason they want they want to do this is because they don't want people to save money. They want you to go out and spend the money. Because spending money it leads to increased consumption. And the government makes more money in taxes and you know other things as well. So they want you to go out and spend. They don't want you to save. So... 
this is a huge, huge problem to freedom and democracy here. So the government can take whatever they want. If there's an economic crisis, the banks are in trouble, um, the government can take away your digital dollars, give it to the bank quite easily. Um, if you get paid using digital dollars, the government has complete control over what they can take out. For example, um, the HMRC or the tax people can take out tax directly from the digital dollar. If you had fines in courts or parking ticket fines, they can take out that money di- directly out of the di- digital dollar. So literally, you will have no control over your money. It's all down to the government. And uh, and if they can control money, they control you, basically. So if you have no money, um, uh, the government will say, right, if you want that money back, then you got to do this for us, you got to do that for us, you got to stop doing this, you got to stop doing that. And you'll have no choice but to do it, because obviously you need to eat, you need to feed your family and stuff like that. So it's a huge, huge issue happening. And this digital dollar is already being rolled out in the United States. There are certain banks which only use digital dollars now, and it's starting to be rolled out in the United States uh, as of next week, or as of this week, actually, from um, from Monday. And um, so this is going to cause a huge issue. So here is um, a chart. This is what you call the um, dollar index. And this is for the last six months. This shows the strength of the dollar, um, compared to other currencies. And you can see a gradual decline over the last six months of the dollar uh, from November to April right now. And you can see how it's going down. So this is not the scary part. The scary part is the government has been doing everything they can to strengthen the dollar. And I'm talking about raising interest rates, and they've been doing other other stuff as well to strengthen the dollar as well. So momentarily, um, it did work. It did strengthen the dollar on the short term. But then gradually, it started dying. And this is a huge problem, really, because the Fed is basically run out of things to do. Uh, they are basically juggling the dollar. And they're also juggling with interest rates as well. And they're also juggling not to crash the economy. They can't raise interest rates too high because um, you're going to see more banks collapsing. And you've already seen SBX collapsing, Credit Suisse, um, other banks are collapsing as well. Deutsche Bank is collapsing. And even the Bank of England is having major, major issues at the moment. So there's going to be more uh, collapses over the banks over the next uh, month or two if they carry on raising interest interest rates. And that's the problem. If they lo- If they lower interest rates, then... Uh, the inflation is going to get higher. So it looks like they've got no choice. They either have to tackle inflation or they're going to have to tackle um, the economy. They can't do both. So you can see the price of gold has been going up while the, the dollar index has been going down. This is because gold historically has been a physical form of value, physical form of wealth for for generations. Hundreds of years, um, countries used to hold gold and wealthy citizens used to have gold as a way of um, showing their wealth, etc. The dollar is actually not worth anything. It's not pegged on gold anymore ever since President Nixon 
took dollar out of the gold standard and this allowed um, the dollar to build up huge amounts of debt um, and there's no guarantee they will ever pay that debt back say 31, 32 trillion there is no way in hell they can pay that back and the dollar is not really worth anything it's just a piece of paper and there's going to come a point where they physically cannot pay their debts back and this is where the great reset comes in so they will completely reset the dollar and they will probably start from beginning with the digital dollar and they will just go go away from the from from the actual you know greenback dollar so the gold as you can see has been rising and if you haven't bought and invested in gold before you you probably need to do it now because central banks around the world including China, Russia, Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, India have been buying huge amounts of gold recently and this is what's rise the is bringing up the prices of gold and uh Historically, gold prices have been going up and up, and they'll keep on going up as more and more countries invest in gold. And individuals are also buying gold as well, because they want to be secure. They do not want to be, you know, relying on the dollar. If you have a bank account with lots of dollars in it, this could become useless uh, in some time in the future. So so rich people and ordinary people are investing in gold and also silver as well. So if you haven't done so, do it as soon as possible. You can see how it's very, very important. So um, oil prices have been also going up as well. And you can see um, during 2020, in the height of the pandemic, it went as low as 1694. Uh, it went really high at uh, one point, around 120, um, around 2022. And now, it's, uh, since then, there was a few severe lockdowns in China. And now, uh, it's, all, it's already starting to go up now. So it's back at 75. Uh, once China's economy is back in full swing again, and it's going to take some time, it's going to take a few more months, then you will see um, um, prices going up over $100 per barrel. This means really bad news for inflation because higher the pet, you know, crude oil prices, the higher costs of goods because you have to transport these goods, whether by ship, air, rail or trucks. And when you transport these goods, um, obviously the costs of transport is going to increase, and this is going to increase in the goods, and this is going to what's going to increase inflation as well. So it doesn't it doesn't matter what the Fed does; they can in, increase interest rates as much as they can. And as you can see, it's not affecting the oil price, and it's not affecting the gold price. So they're pretty much stuck. They have run out of things to do. And there's going to come a point when uh, they're going to absolutely crash the economy by raising interest rates to such an amount that no business can support you. And you can see already banks are collapsing, SPX, um, you, can, you can see um, Credit Suisse, um, Deutsche Bank now, some major, major banks in there. And um, it, this is only the beginning and over the next few months, um, they will start increasing their interest rates. Um, I, th- I believe they will increase it one more time, which is what the Fed said. And, uh, they, and after that, they will pivot. But we will see what happens because if the inflation keeps rising, and it will, as, as you can see, you know, increasing the 
Fed interest rates hasn't really stopped the gas prices, hasn't really stopped um, gold prices going up. Um, they will they'll probably carry on increasing the interest rates until the whole economy crashes, and that, I think that's what their plan is. And um, and there will come a time when they will have to pivot. And when I say pivot, means they will have to reduce interest rates. And when that happened, happens, gold prices and oil prices are just going to shoot up higher, and inflation is just going to run rampant because um, they have they would have failed then. So they really have no choice what to do. Um, I think the dollar is on a slippery slope. Um, they've run out of options. So if I was you, I'd start buying into gold. Hard assets like properties, uh, anything you can which doesn't involve holding um, dollars in the bank account and things like that. Because once the bank starts collapsing, your dollars will be taken away and it's what's called a bail-in. And these bail-in laws have been announced all over the world, so you're welcome to read into that. So one of the other major banks that's going to be affected is the Bank of England. And the Bank of England is a very much a puppet of the dollar. If the if the U.S. increases interest rates, so does the Bank of England. So they're pretty much pegged to the dollar. So if the dollar collapses, you can imagine the pound will also collapse as well. While other major countries are dumping the dollar, like China has been dumping huge amounts of dollars, Japan has been dumping huge amounts of dollars, Britain has actually been buying dollars, which is absolutely strange. And this is a real recipe for disaster. So if the, when the dollar collapses, you can see the Bank of England will be the next to go. So um, the top U.S. general says there's a partnership between Iran, Russia and China will be problematic for years to come. It's more than problematic, so we're not only talking about military terms here, but huge economic terms as well. You know, when President Xi went to Russia, he spent three days talking to President Putin about infrastructure deals, military deals and other things as well. They can cooperate with each other. And the main thing that they were talking about is the infrastructure deals. And they've signed huge amounts of deals, which which means um, China will help Russia's infrastructure building huge amounts of roads and expressways going from Moscow to Beijing. Um, there's going to be um, high-speed rail links going from Beijing to Moscow as well. And one of the problems um, having high-speed rail links going from China to Russia is because Russia has a completely different set of tracks from China and the rest of the world. This is because in the Second World War, they didn't want German um, trains to start going into Russia. And so this, they, this is why they made the decision to have different tracks compared to the rest of Europe and the rest of the world. So recently there's been a new technology which has been announced. So the high-speed rail links, um, when they build it between the two countries, the trains itself uh, will change track and will change tyres. And this will be done automatically. So the trains will stop near the border and there's going to be a process where the tyres change from a Chinese version into a Russian version and the train will continue from there. And uh, they have already tested this and they are going to put this into operation once the high-speed rail link uh, is finalized. They're also building huge amounts of gas pipelines going from you know, Russia to China. Um, there's one already in place. They're building Power Siberia 1, Power Siberia 
too as well. And there's more gas being flowed into China compared to what was flowing into Europe. So Russia is laughing. They've got two major customers. They've got China, they've got India. And Iran is basically a very much a dark horse. Iran is sitting on huge amounts of oil and gas, rare earth minerals, lithium. And Iran is going to be the transport hub of the future. So you're going to have Russian pipelines and infrastructure going from north to south into India um, and also the Gulf, uh, the Indian Sea, and into Bangladesh, Pakistan, and also into the Middle East. And then then also you're going to have Iran as the focal point of the Belt and Road. There's going to be rail links and roads linking China to Turkey and also into Europe. So Iran is going to be a perfect hub for transport links going from north to south, south to north, east to west, and west to east. And, you know, Iran has been pretty much self-sufficient over the past, you know, since the 70s when the, um, when they were placed under sanctions. They have been pretty much self-sufficient and it's taken them a while. And it's only now Iran is becoming self-sufficient to build their own weapons, to build their own industry, their own medical healthcare system. And I can see Iran absolutely booming over the next few years due to the high oil and gas prices. And already their oil revenue has, they've got more oil revenue last year than they did whole of 20 years put together. So imagine that in one year they've made more than what they did made in 20 years with their oil revenue. And uh, this is just going to increase. And uh, once these rail links are, are linked to Iran, China, Russia, you know, it's not going to need the dollar anymore because when, a, when the U.S. basically sanctions a country, it means they can't use the dollar. So Iran is just going to use the ruble. It's going to use the yuan. It's going to use its own currency. Um, it's going to... It doesn't need to even ship goods um, around the sea. It can just uh, transport goods via rail, via road into China, and vice versa, or via pipelines. So it doesn't really care about sanctions anymore. So Iran is a very much a dark horse, and I can imagine that country shooting up into the top 10 GDP countries by the end of the centuries, by 2030. And you, you heard it here first. So ASEAN is also been um, meeting and they are discussing dumping not only the US dollar but euro as well and the yen and they are going to phase out Visa and MasterCard because they know these currencies are very much problematic um, because the euro and the yen and the dollar were complicit when they were sanctioning uh, Russia. So they know these countries, if they don't like you at any point, they will basically sanction you. So this is why they're going to phase out the euro, dollar, and the yen. And what do you think they're going to use in in return? Obviously, they're going to be using the yuan, Chinese renminbi. So you can see ASEAN is going to definitely be moving away from that. And this is part of the de-dollarization process. Saudi Arabia has recently moved into the Shanghai Corporation Organization, and this is one step forward to Saudi Arabia becoming full member and also a full member of the BRICS as well in the future. So you can see Saudi Arabia taking steps to move away from the dollar. And once Saudi Arabia has joined the BRICS, once Saudi Arabia has um, agreed with security guarantees from China and from Russia, 
And once Saudi Arabia is in a good position, I believe they will uh, move away from the dollar and start incorporating the yuan uh, and probably their own currency as well. So you can see Saudi Arabia has announced 10 billion refinery mega project. Uh, It's not just one refinery they're building, they're building two refineries in China. So this is a huge deal, guys, and this is going to be a joint venture between Saudi Arabia's Aramco and China, which means there's going to be a hell of a lot of technology transfers. So it's going to be in benefit between uh, China and Saudi Arabia. And this is a huge deal because China is going to be the refinery hub of Asia, and from there, refinery products will be basically sent around the world. Uh, this is going to be placed in Panjin City. Panjin City is right next to Dalian, if anyone knows. Uh, where Dalian is, it's on the Bohai Sea, right next to North Korea and South Korea. So they're in a perfectly good position to basically export these petrochemicals around the world via sh- ship- shipping routes. And as part of this deal, Saudi Arabia will combine 300,000 barrels a day of um, oil, and which then they will basically convert that into petrochemical um, uh, stuff as well. And this is going to be a huge, huge deal. And this is one of the major um, projects that's happening in China. And this shows a huge shift in Saudi Arabia's um, um, pivot towards China. And they know that China is the future. And they are basically investing most of their money and technology into China to be, to make China an absolute hub in the region. So recently this um, story um, came out and it wasn't really spoken much in the press again. It doesn't really, Western companies and Western media outlets are not going to basically talk about this. And China completes its first LNG trade in Yuan. So you would think to yourself, hang on a second, China's probably completed this LNG trade in maybe UAE or Saudi Arabia or maybe another friendly country um, that's not very friendly towards China. But no, this is actually a European country, and the European country is France. So France has completed its first LNG trade in Yuan. So what's happening is China is becoming a hub for LNG products uh, because Europe is really suffering... um, when it comes to energy, you know, American LNG is very, very expensive and they are really struggling to find LNG from around the world. However, China has plenty of LNG. So they are basically taking Russian um, gas and they are converting it to LNG and they are selling it to Europe and they are adding their obviously markup prices to it. So China is making a killing from this. And one of the conditions China has placed on Europe buying LNG from China is they've got to buy it in Yuan. And this is what China is doing. So Europe has got no choice but to buy LNG um, from China in Yuan. And this is going to be a shape of things to come. So once the Belt and Road completes as well, once the Belt and Road completes around the world, you will see China basically charging more and more uh, of their goods in yuan um, as time goes on because they want to intash- internationalize the yuan and this is the way they can do it um, more and more countries are selling oil and gas 
um, to China in yuan. For example, Russia is actively promoting the Chinese yuan as well as selling other countries to basically uh, buy in yuan. Russia is buying um, and selling in yuan as well because they know the ruble is not really an international currency and this is why Russia is actively promoting the yuan to develop because they rather develop the yuan and it's going to be good for Russia in the future because if Russia is completely sanctioned off western you know dollars and euros and yen and if the you know yuan becomes very very strong in the future then Russia will only benefit because this means that they have com- they all of these sanctions that the West have placed upon Russia will be completely useless, and they don't really need the West um, dollars anymore. They can actively prom- you know work on the yuan um, and also the ruble as well. They also want to strengthen their ruble, but their main focus is going to be to strengthen the yuan. So I've, I've mentioned not just one refinery but two refineries here. So. Rosneft has also announced a major oil deal in India as well. So Russia is completely diversifying its um, energy sources away from Europe and into China and into India. India was a market that Russia was hardly selling to in in the past. India's... um, I believe it was under 10% uh, before the war in Ukraine. And now it's gone up to at least 30% or even more. And uh, suddenly, you know, India has become a huge market for Russia. And just India and China alone will basically mean that Russia is going to be making huge profit. They're not, they're not going to be losing any money whatsoever, losing the European market. They basically gained the Indian market and they've gained a bit, bit more of a foothold in the Chinese market. And not forgetting they're probably going to be increasing their import into the ASEAN market as well and Africa and the Middle East as well. So Russia is laughing all the way to the bank and all of these sanctions that the West has placed upon uh, Russia thinking that um, Russia's ruble will collapse, the whole economy will collapse, people will kick out Putin. Well, it hasn't happened as they planned because they haven't, the whole world, Western world has forgotten about China and has forgotten about India. And that just, that is basically arrogance by the West. They think that the West rules the world, no other country, um, can come near them. They, they couldn't even see that. You know, Russia can easily divest into China and India. They couldn't see that. Um, they think that the whole world revol- revolves around the West. And if they place sanctions on any country, they will absolutely collapse. How wrong were they, huh? So you can see Russian diesel exports surge increased despite EU ban. And not only that, the, <laughs> I've got to talk about the silly, ridiculous price cap that the EU placed on Russian oil um hasn't worked at all. Nobody's even talking about it. And I believe they were in a meeting um, and the Polish and a few other European leaders were asking for price cap to be set to $30 per barrel. I mean, the price of oil right now is $70 to $5 per barrel. And they've placed a price cap of $60 per barrel. Immediately, that's not going to work, is it? If the price is $75 a barrel and you set a price cap of $60 a barrel, you know, you are basically sanctioning yourself. You know, you you are basically, you know, Russia is not going to be sanctioned. They they'll happily sell 
to other countries using $75 per barrel. They can give a bit of a discount to China and India, so let's say $70 a barrel. They'll still make a profit. And uh, it's the Europeans are suffering because they have pretty, pretty much shot themselves in the foot. Um, the gas oil prices are going to carry on rising and they're going to have to scrounge around the world looking for oil countries that will sell them oil. Because right now, oil is a very limited resource. Uh, most oil is sold around the world in contracts. So they don't have oil to, you know, they don't have oil for spare there are, unless you, unless you have uh, Venezuela and Iran who are sitting on huge amounts of oil, um, however, that will need a lot of money and a lot of investments as well. Uh, you also got shale investments in in United States as well. Uh, but end of the day, all of these uh, European tricks on putting. Um, limits on Russian oil hasn't worked and nobody's talking about it and it's absolutely laughable that they thought this could work. Absolutely laughable. So in the wider Middle East you can see there's steps being taken place for Middle East to be peaceful. Um, one of the things that um, I think the Israeli lobby and, and the deep state wanted to do is to destabilize the Middle East because in the 70s, um, there was obviously a huge war between the Middle East and Israel, and all the Arab countries joined together um, to fight Israel. So what the Israelis and the deep state and the United States decided to do is to split the Middle East. So they started fights in the Middle East. They started a fight with, obviously, you got Iraq and Iran, um, Saudi Arabia and Yemen, you have Syria versus the rest of the Middle East. You had Qatar versus um, Saudi Arabia at one point. Um, you know, there were so many clashes all around the Middle East. They were basically using the Middle East countries to fight amongst themselves, fight amongst each other. They wanted to keep them separate, divided. Because the Middle East was basically gifted with tons of oil. And this is one of the gifts that the Middle East has and the and the Israelis know it and the Western world know it and they thought they know they knew that the only way they can um uh, control the Middle East is to basically spread these color revolutions, spread fights between the countries, let them destroy each other and let them spend money on wars, etc. Let the money for oil disappear and in about 20 or 30 years when the oil disappears, these uh, Middle East countries will go back to being poor again. So this is their, their tactic basically worked until now. All the Middle Eastern countries are now forming together to join a pact again. And um, they have, re the, the game, they have realized the game is up. Um, they knew this was their plan all along. And they knew from Obama's speech where they want to pivot to Asia away from the Middle East. They knew that the game was up in the Middle East. Now you see all these Middle Eastern countries and the leaders, knowing what the Americans have been doing all these years and now standing up together. And you, you can see peace deals happening all over Middle East now, Saudi Arabia and Syria, Iran and Syria, uh, Saudi Arabia and, you know, Qatar, obviously, and Saudi Arabia and Yemen. So it's happening all, all over the Middle East. Um, one of the most dangerous things for the United States and the West is when the Middle East countries get together, and they put their oil money into good use. They can be a very, very powerful 
um, nations uh, in the Middle East. I mean, you can see what Dubai has done over the last 20, 30 years with oil wealth, how powerful. And, and you can just go to Dubai and you can see the, the change that's happened in Dubai with oil money. Abu Dhabi is another, Qatar is another. So, so now you can see the rest of the Middle East um, trying to do the same thing. You can see Saudi Arabia doing it, spending trillions on developing their country with huge infrastructure projects. E- Egypt is doing the same thing as well. Kuwait is doing the same thing. Bahrain is doing the same thing. So many uh, countries around the Middle East are now going to s- start doing the same thing. And once uh, Syria, um, Syria's wars officially ended, uh, once U.S. occupation leaves, you can see Syria start to develop. Um, countries like Yemen will start to develop. And you can see generally there's going to be peace around the Middle East and the countries can start to develop. And it's not coincidence that the Middle East started having peace as soon as the U.S. influence left. So as soon as the U.S. said, oh, we're going to pivot to Asia, we're going to pivot to China, as soon as the um, United States stopped, stopped, stopped meddling around with the Middle East, um, you can see start, peace started to happen again. And this is what happens when the U.S. basically meddles in countries and in areas. As soon as they leave, there's peace. But as soon as they're around, they cause all sorts of problems because... Um, what they do, they arm rebel groups, they arm oppositions, they cause color revolutions, they cause all sorts of mayhem and misery around the Middle East. But now, U.S. has finally left Middle East. Well, not completely. Um, they do have they do have a presence in Syria, but you can see greater peace around the world happening in the, in around the Middle East. So what a story uh, that's coming out is China is looking to sell its new stealth fighter to Saudi Arabia um, after winning the light aircraft deal from the UAE. So China is building um, a stealth aircraft called the um, F, not uh, sorry, the J-31 or the J-35. And uh, this is going to be probably out very soon by the end of this year or maybe even next year. It's a completely... Um, new version of the Chinese J-20. It'll, it'll have stealth. They'll have their own engines that they developed in, internally. So it's going to be all 100% um, Chinese-based. And once this comes out by the end of the year, Saudi Arabia is going to be the first country to buy uh, a lot of these Chinese goods. But not only the, they're buying Chinese airplanes as well, they're going to be, um, they've signed a huge arms deal with China as well. And I believe as part of the, you know, as part of the deal between Saudi Arabia using the Chinese yuan, um, they're going to have some sort of security guarantee. And I believe China and Russia will jointly provide that guarantee to Saudi Arabia. They'll probably have um, bases, um, Chinese bases and Russian bases in Saudi Arabia. And this is going to basically repel any attack possible attack by the United States into Saudi Arabia. Because don't forget, the last two countries that tried to move away from the dollar, look what happened to them. And I'm talking about Iraq. Saddam Hussein tried to move away from the US dollar, and he got invaded, and he got killed. Um, Gaddafi from Libya tried to do the same thing, and he got killed. So if you're a country in the Middle East and you try to get away from the dollar, you basically get killed. And this is their, um, this is what Saudi Arabia is afraid of. And, um, so they definitely need South, you know, China and Russia's backing before they move into using the yuan. 
So you can see peace talks between Yemen and Saudi Arabia is happening as well. And this is um, one of the final pieces of the jigsaw in the Middle East. Once they come to peace, you can see the whole of Middle East started starting to develop. Because when, when you have peace in a country, you know, your country can develop, your country can build its economy, build its wealth. Because you just have to look at China. And during the hundred year humiliation, China's been at wars with Japan, uh, Britain, France, you know, war with itself in the huge civil wars. So as soon as China started having peace over the last 50 years or so, you see how fast China's economy has grown. And any country can um, basically grow the economy. All they need is peace as long as they're not at war with each other or other countries. So India is set to dish the dollar, and, and obviously US is not very happy about that. US thinks that India is basically one of their poodles, and unfortunately it hasn't worked out that way. Um, India has been very, very sneaky in the way they've been dealing with the US. They've been dealing with the US only to serve India's own interests. They've been using the US uh, basically to go against China. However, when the US wanted India to basically sanction Russia and do what they want, India's been saying no. So the, obviously the United States is very, very unhappy with India. They don't want to place sanctions on India. Basically, that would put India into Chinese and Russian arms. Uh, uh, so they don't want these three countries to be together. So last thing the United States can do to India is sanction them. And India knows it. And uh, so India is taking full advantage. So they can pretty much do whatever the hell they want. And they know that the West is not going to sanction India or do push India towards Russia and China. Because what they've done is they push Russia and China closer together um, with, their, with, with their policies against China and Russia. So they don't want to do the same thing to India as well. So huge, another huge blow to the dollar, um, China and Brazil are going to be trading in their own currencies. And China, you know, Brazil is another country with a huge trade surplus with China. So, China, you know, Brazil basically sells more to China than it imports from China. And basically sells a lot of agricultural goods, so soybeans, and also it sells oil as well. Not many people realize that Brazil has got a lot of oil. And Brazil has got a lot of rare earth minerals as well, lithium and many other, um, you know, important minerals that it sells to China. So Brazil is, uh, has got a huge surplus against China. And if they're going to be trading in their own currencies, um, China is definitely going to benefit and the de-dollarization is um, is happening. So you can see it's happening all over the world. It's not just in one location. It's happening everywhere. This will make the dollar weaker. And as you can see, the dollar has been getting weaker and weaker every single month. And all of this stuff that's happening around the world is just going to make the dollar weaker and weaker. Um, when the dollar becomes weak, um, countries that need that don't need the dollar, um, then, you know, right now the Countries around the world need the dollar to buy oil because oil is sold in, as in a petrodollar. So as soon as they realize they don't need the dollar to buy oil uh, or other goods, they can start dumping the dollar. And all of these dollars are going to be dumped all, all over the world. And then all of these dollars will end up back in the U.S., which means higher inflation or hyperinflation for all of the subjects in the U.S., which is going to be very, very bad news. <coughs> So that's it for today, guys. I'm going to talk about von der Leyen on another video because this video is taking too long. So 
I'll start working on the von der Leyen video, and that's going to be a very interesting one. So let me know what you guys think of this. Is the US dollar about to about to collapse this year? Are we seeing it sooner rather than later? Or do you think it's going to take a bit longer, a few more years? I think it's going to happen this year, guys, uh, because all the... Um, Everything that's happening around the world with the banks collapsing, with the Fed not knowing what to do, uh, with the interest rates and, you know, the, the way that US dollar is collapsing around the world, the way the world is dumping dollars, I think it's going to happen this year. If not, it's going to be start of next year. Let me know what you guys think and I'll see you in the next video.